0: Woman priests? Same-sex blessings? Abortion? All were discussed at the Synod on Synodality, and in conclusion, nothing changed. While most Catholics let out a sigh of relief, Father James Martin and other activists in the church were not very pleased. One thing no one was pleased about was the reinstatement of disgraced and excommunicated priest Mark Rupnik. <laughs> According to a reporters on the ground, the room was shocked upon hearing the news and confused when Pope Francis delivered off-the-cuff remarks ripping, priests who like nice cassocks? We cut through the meeting on meetings and lay out exactly what to expect going forward. Over at Disney...
1: It's no longer 1937. i gonna be yeah. saved by the prince. But she's not gonna be saved by the prince and she's not gonna be dreaming about true love.
0: Oof. The disastrous marketing campaign for the upcoming Snow White film attracted a challenger. The Daily Wire is creating a Snow White film of their own, minus the seven racially ambiguous short people. Their version will be featured on Bent Key, a new streaming service for children's content. Erica gives us a quick review of how it looks so far. And if you've ever wondered how we got from beautiful courthouses in small towns to drop ceilings and fluorescent lights in government buildings, we've got you covered in the Twilight Zone. All this and more on this week's edition of The Loopcast. Welcome to the Loopcast. Today, I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Erica and Josh. And today, the church survives the synod. Barely. A lot of headlines coming out of there. We are here to assure you the church survived. Yes, indeed, the church survived. But there's a few elements to the final document that was put out, uh, some of the Mario Rupnik scandal, and then uh, the clericalism comments from Pope Francis. They've all kind of been floating around independent of each other. We're going to try to put them all together today. So, Erica, could you just start us Uh, What happened at the Synod? What what was their conclusion?
1: Well, the big news about the Synod is that nothing much happened. I do want to clarify, though, it's not over yet. So hold your breath, take a nap, because Mm -hmm. they're coming back next year to apparently finish the deed or continue the discussion or embark on the process or have more dialogues about all of these issues and experiences that they've had. The final document that came out, and I'm just going to say I tried to read it, I tried it's very, it's a slog. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you one little word salad that I found in there. The burning question of the synod, it's called, we've had like the synod on the Amazon region, we've had the synod on Africa, synod on the family. I'm going to get into in a few minutes like how many synods we've had since the Vatican II Council.
2: Answer. More than
0: we need. More
1: than we need. Like,
0: <laughs> this one was called the Synod on Synodality, correct? Right.
1: So translate that, <laughs> the meeting on the meetings. Yeah. And so the burning question was, what is synodality? That's what all oh. these people were coming. Don't you wonder, Josh?
2: Well- and the uh, follow-up question to that is, when are we going to have the synod on the synod on the synod? Oh, that's yeah. next
1: year. Yeah, it's coming. They're going oh, right, to right, right, meet okay. again about how they met about meetings this year.
2: Your fellow 80s girl, like yeah. what, it's it's like the never-ending story. <laughs> they made the movie, the never-ending story, never... and then they made a sequel. If the first one didn't end, why do you need another one? I don't understand this. <laughs>
1: Meanwhile, the African Cardinal's like, I got to go back because people are getting martyred in my diocese. Uh, <laughs> yeah, We'll come back to a meeting next year. But here's our best answer word salad. Those of you who have- studied long and hard in the ivory tower might be able to parse this synodality this is the final say what is synodality synodality can be understood as the walk of christians with christ they mentioned jesus that's good toward the kingdom together with all humanity mission oriented it involves coming together in assembly at the different ecclesial levels of life listening to one another dialogue communal discernment consensus building as an expression of Christ's making himself present alive in the spirit and decision-making and differentiated co-responsibility. Did everyone get that? I everyone got have, that.
2: I hope you guys have coffee, man. Like, I yeah. I, well, I, I actually got extra that.
1: large coffee double Wait, shot. Wait, did we
2: just morning? start a recording? And I fell asleep. Whatever. <laughs> <Sorry. happened? laughs> okay. Seriously, man.
1: Basically, the, the, what I can come up with, the synod is they all came together. The organizers, th- the goal of the synod was to meet, and to listen, and dialogue, and have communal discernment, that this idea that Christ makes himself known through our own experiences, I mean, not through a definitive revelation of his coming to earth in the incarnation through his passion, death, and resurrection, he has given us the definitive revelation, no, 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 we got to sit around and listen, the synod is waiting for Godot, it's waiting for Guffman, it's waiting for the snark, it's hunting the snark. Never gonna yeah, happen.
0: Erica. If I could ask that because that word salad made it seem like this is all kind of meaningless, pointless. But but people were so concerned about it. Right. My question then is why were people really concerned about it if this just ended up being a word salad?
1: Right. Like I don't want I want to make light of it because in a way you have to laugh or you're gonna cry. But it could have been a lot worse. Because all of this word salad is a method, it's a mode of coming together. And embedded in it are a lot of progressive ideologies, I would even say anti-Catholic ideologies, who just couldn't wait to get women's ordination on the table, to get LGBT on the table. I know Abortion. Josh has a lot to say. Abortion yeah. was there. We'll get into that, too.
2: I mean, it's just, yeah, this weird, crazy, chat, GBT, synod, synod final statement thing is just, you know... It's so unimaginative and unoriginal, but you can still at its heart see this like love it has for like this desire, this aspiration to have gone the full Monty, right? To have gone the full nine yards to just to say, you know, we're a new church and we're going to do this and that. And and it came up short. And I think part of the reason it came up short is because precisely because uh, Catholics who care about their faith, who care about their church, decided to stand up and make a difference. I know here at Catholic Vote, we dedicated a ton of resources to making sure that we would get the word out. Like at the beginning of this uh, synod, they said, oh, it's all close to the press and there's not going to be anything going on here. And thank the good Lord, there were some brave men and women, the courageous uh, cardinals who stepped forward and and did that uh, dubia letter. We publicized that. Um, we had reporters on the ground at Rome working overtime, trying to get every last piece of information out there and share it with everyone you know here in the United States and whoever around the world or whatever. And I think, you know, that kind of action was necessary to make sure that this did not go completely totally off the rails. I feel like that it became somewhat of a nothing burger is a great gift. And it's never you know, I like to tell people like,, oh, just because the church is saved. From from total destruction, doesn't mean there can't be horrible things that happen, like the church being like asleep at the wheel, the 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 church kind of leading people astray. I mean, e- even during this synod, we had Pope Francis, you know, inviting in Sister Grammick with the New Ways Ministry. It's a horrible thing. It, it it was, you know, telegraphing a message that, you know, he wanted to as much as he wanted to try to bless same-sex unions even expressed it. Like, well, you know, the church can kind of bless people and there's all this kind of talk that was done on the side. That was all, um, you know, that was the attempt of the synod to try to, to put a blessing on uh, same-sex couples. But the final document did not have much of anything really at all to say about LGBT, LGBT groups. And that was much to the dismay of yeah. left-wing yeah. cardinal Uh, blaze super to chicago who kind of was lamenting at the end of the the senate like how it could have done so much more and there's so much we have to unpack and you can tell a lot about the types of people that were upset about
0: this final statement because again we just reiterated we went through it it was a whole lot of nothing but i think there were people that were activists within the church that were really hoping for a substantial church doctrine change when it comes to blessing same-sex unions Uh, father james martin put out a statement very upset Na- national Catholic reporter, very upset. Uh, why do you think that they, it, it, do you think this is just a media show or they actually came in expecting like,
2: oh no, we're going to have real change here and then just disappointed that they came up short? I mean, I think they would have at least gotten a line or two that they could have built off for future years. But this, they just ended up with, like I said, a, a, a chat GPT word salad that they can't really do much of all with. They wanted at least a little nugget that they could build and build and build. And well, and they found one.
1: They, I do want to say they found one. I went through, I read all of Blaise Cupich's, um interview at America. I read Father James Martin's entire reflection on what I learned at the Synod. And I mean, he, the way he presents it is we, we built bridges. We made, we made friendships with each other. We listened to each other. And then he cites section 15 in the final document, which while it does not say the word, the alphabet, soup LGBTQ, explicitly, it does say that we need further study and greater precision. And we'll come back to this because we need more time for reflection. I'm going to quote again, uh, without giving into simplistic judgments that hurt individuals. And he narrowed in on that as this conversation is continuing. We are going to continue. And here's what happens with the lefties. Like, and I'm sorry to call them lefties. I know some people are like, we yeah, shouldn't let's, use labels. Let's,
0: let's be clear but, about when we call them lefties, what do we yeah, mean? Yeah. These are people in support of what?
1: These are people in support of changing church doctrine that is unchangeable. Literally, like they want women's ordination to the diaconate. They want LGBTQ blessings on unions that are outside. And And the thing is, this is church teaching. It will not change. And it feels like I was thinking back to the, you know, all the history around Humanae Vitae. After Vatican II, there was this promise that came out from some of the progressive elements in the church that, okay, now finally it's going to change. And all these people get all excited. Oh my gosh, I'm a a woman. I'm going to be ordained in five years. I'm a Catholic couple. I'm throwing out the, you know, the NFP manual. I'm going to start using birth control and it's all going to change. And then Humanae Vitae drops in 1968. Nothing changes and the pope well, reiterates well okay the church uh-oh. the pope reiterates <laughs> the teaching of the church and and thousands of souls are lost they are lost and that's what father james martin and the progressive element continue to do they want to push for this synodal model that is unending dialogue unending process never any action or statement because in that right. confusion in that like maybe sort of state you continue to draw along this false hope that somehow the Church of Jesus Christ will fall. When there's and... opportunity
0: for error as well. You know, yeah. when there's ambiguity, there's opportunity time. for error.
2: So, Erica, you're right, of course, that the church changing did not formally change with, you know, the battle over contraception in the 60s and human Vitae being published. But the de facto church policy sort of did in the fact that basically there, you know, uh, Father Coran's... Whole topic of your alma mater,
1: yeah,
2: not a <laughs> shining moment about... for
1: Catholic University. We yeah. got that.
2: It's all about your conscience and conscience be your guide and blah 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 blah. And so then you get to the situation where you know a maj- you know the, you look back in history, for example, and you say, "How is it that the, this Arian heresy and and you hear about like seventy percent of the world's bishops at the time believed in this? We're you know, how is that possible? Yeah, that they fundamentally believed in something that is not true." Is against church teaching. It's like, um, have you, are you not familiar with the United States? I mean, come on, like, look at, look at so many bishops, so many priests, de facto in their hearts, basically didn't care enough about contraception, and they would basically say, well, it's up to your conscience or whatever, you know. And then you go into confession, and the priests are like, eh, "That's okay. I mean, whatever." Blah 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 blah. You are like what? I'm my friend, Andrew Walther, passed away three years this uh, this week, and. He told me about times you go to confession and confess things. And the priest's like, it's not a sin. And you're like,
1: oh, my, God, I've heard that so much.
2: He's like, I kind of feel like in my conscience it is. So he would use their own language against them. It's like, so I, I hope you won't refuse this, you know, mercy. You know, it's like, but it, so this is what I'm getting at. You get the de facto teaching of the church kind of, of the, the church teaching doesn't change, but in practice it does. And millions of souls are lost or are wandering, let's say, in the desert, and they, you know, and it it gets frustrating. That's what these guys were hoping for in the synod. They were hoping to have something, you know, I know you said they parsed a little bit here and there, but they were looking for something a little bit stronger that they could build a plank on and continue going forward with sort of a false teaching.
1: Yeah, but to return to why wasn't it worse, and I think the Aryan heresy, that terrible time in the church, is such a great analogy for what's going on right now, because Who came out of that, right? We got Saint Athanasius, like, and we're seeing guys now take and and women too take a stand, and it's because of them that the truth will persist. And again, like to totally you've got it right, Josh, that the the tragedy is that how many souls will be lost in the process because of this confusion and smoke and and mirrors and all this, the the playing around with truth which is absolutely cries out to heaven.
0: If I could too, like one of the really inspirational things I've been observing lately, like the Eucharist or procession in New York City from Father Mike Schmitz. Like I'm not here to make anyone, like I know celebrity priest is kind of gets a bad rap or whatever, but just the fact that that very public procession was going on, I saw so much footage from that, how many people that inspired. I feel like acts like that are kind of becoming even more incredible than they already were because you know that you're kind of going against the darkness. Like people are looking at that <laughs> even within your own church. Like
2: you look at soupage. It, uh, it spoke to people's hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Like
0: uh, Cardinal Cupage, uh said, he don't come through Chicago in the Eucharistic um, procession. So, I mean, you're even fighting people within the own church, but like just bringing Jesus to people in a very public manner becomes even more inspirational when you get all like, we're lost in the heady clouds of the synod on synodality. What does this even mean? What does it all mean? And it's like, Let's simplify it. Like here's Jesus. We're just going to put it out in the open. Show beauty. What I love about that's that awesome. is that
2: something is so beautiful, and most people are like, "Wow, that's a really cool idea." I'm so glad they did that. And yet, you're like, "Who could be against this? It's so, so beautiful." Well, I'm surely atheists are probably not going <laughs> to like it, or feminists yeah. or whatever. Like, no, no, no. Hold on. I mean, certainly they don't. <laughs> you had an editor with American magazine, and he was crapping all over it. Like, they really think this is a way to get people?
0: I think he specifically said, like, old white man in, in public, like, thinks yeah. that this is going to appeal
2: to the youth. Is like, like well,
1: where's race coming the into pictures. this dog? I like, know, like, white man? What
2: a bizarre... <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and in fact, most of the processions that I'm familiar with, it's it's led by people who are, like, Latino. It's like, they're, they're awesome. They're all... They're more favored than anyone else, so... So, if you want to see more of our centered reporting, uh, all of this is completely
0: free. You got to get in the loop. Go to gettheloop.com you'll see all of our hard work there presented in your inbox every morning. It's an incredible resource for Catholics. If you already subscribe, share it with someone. You can get some sweet, uh, sweet merch. We have a uh, loop mug that's very popular here. Uh, and now we're going to be incorporating more things as well. Get the loop. It's very simple. Uh, if you want to see that every morning, we got some beautiful images in the bottom. It's one of the best resources out there. So uh, make sure to go gettheloop.com. Find it in the description.
1: I want to bring up another moment that I think was driven by the Holy Spirit. Not that I'm like in on, you know, direct line to God, but we're talking about ways that the synod was prevented from being worse. Talking about like these lights in the darkness, Cardinal Zen, Cardinal Burke. Um, and, George Weigel present, amazing. and George Weigel was wow. amazing in his coverage too. I mean, it's worth going back and reading uh, some of his coverage uh, over at Catholic vote. Um, but in another one that was a little less obvious as a movement of the Holy Spirit, these accusation this this Father Mark, Marco Markno Rupnik story came to light during the synod, and there was some serious sunlight shone on what was going on with Father Rupnik, um, the accusations against him. For those of you who don't know, uh, he's been he's a, he's a Jesuit priest. His artwork is all over the world. It's at Lords. It's at the John Paul II Museum. It's like in the, big alien, eyes, it's the big, alien see, like, big alien eyes. It's the big alien eyes. Sort of iconographical. But anyway, many accusations of spiritual, psychological, sexual abuse of nuns, of various people in his orbit, um, abuse of conscience and the sacrament of confession. Terrible. Terrible it's the stuff. The most
0: vile. It's the yeah, most vile. Abuse he was kicked I think out of the Jesuits.
1: I mean, he was temporarily it's excommunicated. The story broke uh, last Wednesday, the final Wednesday of the synod, that he had been reincarnated—not reincarnated, having a hard time with that word—he was reincarnated into uh, a diocese in his home country of Slovenia, and this news hits hits the wave, the airwaves Wednesday morning. And the Catholic world just goes nuts. People are shocked, very upsetting. Uh, I mean, he's basically been convicted of the most horrible sacrilege and blasphemies. And here he is being put. He's now a priest in good standing in this diocese uh, in Slovenia. And this hits Wednesday morning. Four hours later, Pope Francis gets up in front of the whole synod and he gives an impromptu off the cuff diatribe against a scandal in the church. And we're all thinking, yeah, there's a scandal. We just learned about it four hours ago. But what's the big scandal? He starts railing against what he calls clericalism. And the example he gives are seminarians going into stores in Rome to buy cassocks and albs and lace garments. And he goes, I just was like, how out of touch can we be? Do you I'm hoping he's completely unaware of the story that just broke.
0: But from your sources, people in the room were, were visibly yeah. shaken by the Marco Rupnik. Like slack
1: jawed and yeah. could not believe what they were hearing.
2: Oh, yeah. Even the Catholic left.
1: Even everyone. American Magazine yeah. yes. was like, um, this is bad. They
2: were outraged, which, I mean, th- I believe them and they, sh- they were right to be. But they they were outraged and also embarrassed that their side wasn't taking care of this problem and making it worse. So that was so kudos, you know. I guess for them, Um, it was uh, it was quite the scandal. It is obnoxious, and why in the world do we have such a problem in this church of getting rid of horrible people?
0: But I think an important point for us to make here too, like the outrage, I think, was even more pointed because Pope Francis had involvement with. Father Rupnik, uh, currently Father Rupnik, some people have a hard time saying this, but what was the involvement in the process of the Rupnik case with Pope Francis that would potentially make people uncomfortable?
1: right. I mean, it goes it because it involved the Jesuit order, especially, I mean, there's no question that the Pope was aware of the case and was aware of what was going on and how Father Rupnik was being dealt with. We are still It's still unclear. There are multiple accounts with different stories about how he got reincarnated, uh, who was involved. It's very backdoor kind of um, information. So we'll continue to follow that story uh, as much as we can. he did, the Pope did ask 48 hours after his rant against traditional clerics, um, he asked that the Rubnik case be reopened yet again uh, at the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, formerly the CDF. It definitely doesn't re up your confidence in the institution, or you know, it does the church. Does do the high does the hierarchy of the church actually listen to people? That's all this talk about. Right. we're listening to right. the suffering. We're listening to. Well, I didn't see there. This were- is in
2: the midst of a synod where they say the church needs to listen to <laughs> the lay people more, and like, hello, yeah. If you're listening what to us, like, about? get rid of your garbage. Right.
1: Yeah. Abusive priests. Be people abusive who are abusing bishops. people. Get rid of them.
0: The universal outrage. I think. Makes a ton of sense. Like, if there's one thing every Catholic and non Catholic can agree on, let's get abusers out of the church immediately. Mm -hmm. Shine a light on them. Right. Like, take care of business. The fact that the church is like kind of presenting itself as like we're this listening, new walking church, but at the same time, not learning from old problems. I mean, so I just want to be very clear about the timeline here. May 2020, Dicastery of Doctrine for Faith temporarily excommunicated this guy for a serious canonical crime, in including absolving several victims of sexual abuse in a sacramental confession. So temporarily excommunicated. 2022, he's not even out of the Jesuits at this point. The Jesuits in 2022 finally barred him from hearing confessions, giving spiritual direction, conducting spiritual exercises, or even appearing in public. And then in 2023, he was expelled from the order for, for, for violating these directives. So th- he's like out, out at this point. And it took way longer than it should have, but he's out. And so this news of him like, all right, now he kind of slithered back to Slovenia was also paired with, this is all interlaced in the synod too, because his artwork was up on the synod main page before it even started. And people were putting out red flags like, hey, why is this rapist's art up on the synod website? Like even like left to right didn't matter. Everyone was like, this doesn't make any sense. This guy is ex- ex- excommunicated from the church. Why should we have his stuff? clearly present for all the people that he abused to see and for everyone to show the hypocrisy of the church here. So,
2: Well, it's the new listening church, you know.
1: Right. And that's the thing, that's the thing here is that that story breaking, the Pope's reaction, contrasted with the self-congratulatory tone of this final document that we all sat around our round tables, we listened, we're going back, we're going to dialogue some more. Just totally, I mean, how tone deaf can you get, you know what would bring young people back to the church? You know what would bring people back to the church? Isn't like, oh, look at all the meetings we're having in Rome with each other. Catholicism. Yeah, maybe Catholicism. Maybe bishops like going barefoot through the streets in reparation for the sins against minors yeah. and against the church with yeah. some ashes, sackcloth, like do something yeah. crazy, like penitential processions, Eucharistic processions. I think that would that would say a lot more to the people who are in RCIA in my parish then did you read the synod documents? Don't you want to be Catholic now?
0: Like in which I think 1% of American churches took part of said it in, to begin with, but what's so frustrating about like this situation as well is having to be on a public platform as a Catholic. Anytime I'm reading comment sections, there's at least five comments on like you shouldn't say anything about children, you shouldn't say anything about abuse because this is still like clear and present and rightfully so to many people who hate Catholicism because they either know someone that was a part of abuse or they don't want to be associated with abuse. I'm Catholic. I don't want to be associated with I don't want to be associated with this. It's like it's a huge credibility killer. Obviously we're talking about for the Synod, but in general with the Catholic Church, like we belong to an organization that clearly still has not taken abuse and abusers serious enough to have a process to get rid of them immediately.
2: We all know people too, we all know people in the United States who uh, have you know are scandalized by this, and they have walked away from the church and I do think our Lord has a lot of mercy for those people who feel scandalized and don't feel like the church is you know a place where they can go anymore, but I think also we have a Lord of justice towards those shepherds who have led us astray so it's going to take a lot of uh, it, it, there's no you know here's the thing when it comes to the the crisis here in the church on this and everything else and then when it comes to the crisis in our own country we catholics do not need to feel obligated and burdened with trying to figure out the exact recipe it takes to try to figure this out like what are the how are we going to get out of this mess how are we going to get out of this mess like you don't have to come up with the plan you don't need to what you need to do is you need to pray you need to fast and yes work hard And if you're praying and fasting and working hard, then God can, you're moving. And then if you're moving, God can move you in the right direction. But if you just sit still, navel gaze and don't do anything and just mope and you're scared about the world, that's not helping.
1: That reminds me, this week when the kids were getting ready for trick-or-treating because I'm a pagan Catholic wife, we were going to get ready to go out (laughs) in the neighborhood. And so, of course, like to make up for it in my own heart, I was like, let's watch St. Bernadette while you're getting your costumes on. <laughs> and so the six-year-old, though, she goes, she's watching St. Bernadette. And she hops down and we're like talking about all Saints Day coming up. And she goes, Mom, Mom, I know the answer. I was like, oh, good, because I'd been like, my head was in the Rupnik stuff all day doing research for this. And uh, she goes, I know the answer. i was like, great. She goes, we just have to pray the rosary. And do penance for sins because our lady said so. And then she like scampers off to go stuff her face with candy. And it was it was great. I was like, Dang. yeah, like you said, Josh, like we don't have to figure this out. Yeah. We, we know what to do. We pursue holiness in our own lives. I love the month of November because here we are with our, you know, I feel like the whole month of November we have one foot in heaven on the other side and we have this opportunity to just, you know, step through, remember the dead, remember our final end and uh, and just be holy and pray for our bishops. Oh, my gosh. Pray for our local bishops to be holy men. Um, and, yeah, we know what yeah, to love do. Yeah,
0: the, I love the message. Well, first off, you have a very well-catechized six-year-old. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> that That's trickle-down economics right there because you're very holy as oh, well. But uh, well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of reminds me, too, of, like, we talk so much about the problems in America as well. Problems in the church, problems in America. I think there is something to be said, too, about, like, you— you individually aren't responsible for fixing the entire broken system. I think especially with the spiritual thing because personal holiness, there were people, saints, were very personally holy in times where the church was a mess or in time where society 100%. was a mess. And even in America, it's like we don't have to solve all like the presidential problems or like all the problems with the, the government right now. You can be a good citizen in your local community. You, know, you can, you can um, raise a family. You can impart good values. You can serve your local community in different ways. Like, those are all very tangible. Like like Josh said, we need to stay in constant movement here. Like, keep going forward. If you just sit and wallow in the sadness, that doesn't really get you anywhere benefit anyone. So,
2: Right. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, when we started this organization 18 years ago or whatever, Brian and I and my friend Joe, it's like, w- you know, we, we thought about what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa said, we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. And my whole point with that is if you look at all the great uh, ch- uh, times of the church crises, you know, like when the Protestant Reformation happened, and all that kind of stuff, who would be able to predict that it's going to be people like Teresa of Avila, you know, um, Francis de Sales, like some of these great saints that come up that rise up. Um, they wouldn't even have necessarily chosen it, but you know, God convicted them and, and they stood up and they, and they were the, you know, the answer that we needed. We don't know who that's going to be for the next, you know, 10, 15 years and looking forward to the next hundred years, whatever. But yeah, you just, that's why, you know, I think this work is, I'm, I'm, I'm always excited by the work that we do with both this loopcast and also the loop emails that we send out. We're just trying to help people understand a little bit better what's going on in the world, what's going on in our church. And to say, you don't necessarily need to know how to solve everything on this, but. If you open up your heart, if you pray and you fast and you say, "God, I want to work and I want to try to, you know, build up the kingdom," well, you know, yeah, let's roll up our sleeves, let's do it, let's get to work. Yeah, Amen.
0: Uh, So now we move into our lifestyle section. uh, Well, Erica was specifically excited about this one. So Disney announced on Friday that it is going to delay the release of live-action Snow Whites. And for people unfamiliar with (laughs) that debacle. Uh, It's been kind of a train wreck, to say the least. The uh, actress that was going to play Snow White and all of the media leading up said, this is not a story about a girl who's going to be saved by a man. It's 2023. Uh, This isn't 1930 whatever. Uh, This is going to be a new progressive tale about how women could be grow into their own as leaders, which, of course, is not what the original uh, Snow White was about. And even the son of uh, his name's Peter Hand, the son of the director of the original Snow White said, There's no respect for what Disney did and what my dad did. I think Walt and he would be turning in his graves right now. Uh, the other element to this that kind of had people going was there was a, a odd, racially diverse, ambiguous cast of the dwarfs. Um,
1: they weren't dwarfs, they weren't dwarfs. Super offensive, Pogo.
0: It was a bizarre... Some of the pictures came out from production. P, it, I mean, just excoriated on Twitter. I, just all social media people were like, what the heck is going on? And so they decided Disney is also going to turn those into AI because you can't be offensive to AI. You can only be offensive to short people. Uh, so the interesting thing going on right now is that Daily Wire... So were you in, involved
2: in the casting in that time? Or? Oh, uh,
0: short game. I came. was not... Uh I was too I was too white i, I yeah, hit the height rate right hundred which would have been sick I, I
2: mean I would <laughs> I wouldn't be white. here right
0: now if I was over there filming with Disney, but talk about Wayne straight they're they are unveiling their version of it, which is straight down the middle, okay? This is seemingly what the original story was intended to be like it's more faithful to the script uh the actress Brett cooper she's a uh, major personnel on YouTube. She has talked about how she's excited to share. The timeless wisdom of the story with the future generation uh they released a teaser kind of to uh unseat disney to take a lot of the hype take a lot of the uh, to take a jab basically at all of the controversy that they've been getting at and trying to tell new stories they've also released a new uh child uh children's streaming service called bent key erica i know that you've checked oh, it yeah. out uh this would probably be a good time for review for people curious okay. but uh what what are we thinking about all this? Do you think there's the, that first off, I guess, is the Daily Wire version going to actually do damage? Do you think it's going to actually be like really take away from Disney Snow White?
1: Well, the indications from the Bent Key success so far are that, yeah, Disney might have just delayed this release because we have Snow White and the Evil Queen coming from Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring over there, and people are responding tremendously. So Bent Key, when it came out, and again, this is a streaming platform from Daily Wire. It is not like connected with Daily Wire. Some like they're they're trying very much to have it be its own business, its own model. But it's smart. the same guys. So yeah, it yeah. it is. It's smart. Same guys doing it. And uh it had it, it like broke uh Google Play because so many people downloaded it, millions of downloads in the first week. Oh wow. And it's got hundred and eighty episodes from dozens of shows already. So they really took the time to backfill so you can just plug right in and it's not like you're waiting around for new episodes all the time we we started with uh chip chilla me and my kids we watched it it's um the story (laughs) the story of a family of homeschooled chinchillas who have adventures together and read classic fairy tales and learn from them and it's actually really i can't stand some of the like the kids shows the cartoons it's just too much like over the top simulation for me, but once in a while, you know, you need to just plug the kids in. And I watched a couple episodes with them. They've watched more, and they really enjoy it. I mean, people are saying it's just a knockoff on Bluey. I'm like, I I don't mind a knockoff on Bluey. Uh, I mean, The
2: funny knockoff <laughs> accusation yeah. is hilarious because like all this stuff is <laughs> right. knockoff. It's all the knock-off. It's all yeah. derivative. Yeah, I know, right? It's like it's like the, talking to someone who l- listens to music. Well, that guy did a riff on this guy, <laughs> and that guy yeah. did a riff on that. I mean, come on.
1: Like everyone's, a they're all just following, a. even, even Taylor Swift, like she's just following a formula. You do know that right. at this point, maybe she wrote it herself, but it's a formula. And so if Who's your kids that? are, if you're going to watch cartoons, <laughs> check out Ben Key. And they really are like talking about classic tales. They learned about the prince and the pauper and being content with what you have and hard work. And it's, it's a good option. They have a, what is um, the, airfield, yeah.
0: like, what is the value to, cause I was talking to someone that I do and they're like. Talk about how valuable it is to just have a service that they can turn on the TV, press play, and not have to be concerned. Like, are they sneaking something weird in here? Oh yes, yeah. That's I sure. feel like that's going to be so successful. Like yeah. everyone wants that, right? Everyone with kids that's serious about parenting and wants to impart good values. Like,
1: oh yeah, a hundred. You'd be shocked
0: at some of the stuff out there right now where they're like, "I'm a non-binary horse." Like, why is the word non-binary even being used? Yeah, I mean, shows like, like Arthur
1: shows that like. You know, we used to ten years ago. You wouldn't think twice about sitting your kid down in front of a new episode of Arthur. And now you're like, wait a minute, how did that happen in there? Yeah, why does Arthur have two mummies? Yeah, and
2: well, you know, and part of my anecdote on that, or my response to that, was we would just get our kids to watch. You know, go onto YouTube, and you could watch, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny stuff from like the '40s and '50s and whatever. And kids were like, oh my gosh, they loved it. Because it was actually entertaining because so much of this stuff, and like, because they got this idea, we're gonna need to be educational oh, moralistic. sometime in the 90s. Oh. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, it's so boring. Like, let's let's have a lesson. Let's learn French. Let's do algebra. It's like, my gosh, just entertain the kids. This is so boring.
1: Let's have some slapstick comedy. Like, I wanna see Wiley e. Coyote get blown up. <laughs>
2: yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That's Instead of, and, and and it, yeah, and it's like instead of being like super educational, now it's like super educational plus like Marxist, you know, <laughs> uh, alphabet <laughs> stuff. And you're like, great. So you're gonna make the all the kids gay? Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all
0: the kids are calling each other comrades. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, what,
1: what happened? <laughs> Where'd that here? come from? But what? Yeah. But even
0: even my my concern personally with YouTube is. Uh, if you go to YouTube and like we've done it too, like I'm not saying like,
2: YouTube's not on anymore. Their own, my goodness, Maybe yeah, exactly. That's ago.
0: what I'm saying because like what's suggested, what kind of ads are played. That's why I think like the Benki model actually really, oh, really better. has gas. Much better. I could just put it on and not work, I don't have to worry really about what they're gonna find on there. And like the value of that, the peace of mind that comes with that, I think is huge. And to separate it from Daily Wire too, I think is smart because. There might be people that are turned off by uh, da- the word Daily Wire, the organization, the people like, that see the news story. So they've just heard people talk about it. But it's like, oh, Banky. It's like, and there may be generally of goodwill that they're not insane, like crazy far left. They're like, oh, yeah, just like kids entertainment. That's positive And like, I can be comfortable showing them. That's okay. And then, you know, that I
2: think you avoid kind of the Daily Wire controversy to some people. I'm impressed. So you said 180 episodes. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: it's already pretty robust, and they have some programming coming for older kids too. Those of you who, have, who your kids have read the Pendragon series, there's some really cool teasers out for. They're going to do the full uh, shows. It's a ser- series of novels by a Christian author, and they're really upfront about they they don't want to be political. They're not going to like you know have Trump for kids cartoons or something. So again, if like <laughs> it's that's something that concerns you, you can go check it out. I'd highly recommend it. And uh, definitely an improvement over Disney and Wish, the forthcoming Disney cartoon in which bad white man oppresses <laughs> all the minorities who And then the animation doesn't look good on
0: that either, by the way. So it's like, they're, they're slipping. I don't know what is going on with Disney. For what? Uh, it's called Wish. Oh, it's a new Disney movie or something? Ex- exactly. You haven't even heard of it, which is saying I something. Even, I like, seriously haven't even heard of it, no. I know. Because coming, yeah. from, coming from the days of like, a bug's life toy story like that's more pixar and then i know they bought pixar
1: but
2: you no, pixar every was blast, movie dude. was a
0: banger like cars
2: yeah. banger.
1: incredibles oh we love incredibles oh, dude like everything was so, so good. phenomenal mm-hmm. like,
2: how do they even get away with doing that like like the kids lament in that movie is so great. Well, if everyone's special, no one's special. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> this, this is so awesome. <laughs> There's no way the DEI community would allow that now. Exactly. Golly. Syndrome. Yeah, I
0: remember, I read a book actually about the founder of Pixar and I think the key there was like he, of course, was making tons of advancements in terms of animation because he was one of the first people to put out this 3D animation. But his, uh, his obsession with telling good stories that yes, everyone could yeah. relate to—that was, was his primary, primary and that's what goal. Made it. Yeah. you go back and watch those; they still hold up. Adults, kids, hundred I mean, percent. And so it's like it's so odd to see such a like prestigious grown men place. crying
2: watching Toy Story two or whatever it was. Yeah,
1: did you cry, Josh? No. <laughs> okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> go
0: ahead and, uh, Josh. I'm I'm testing your crying abilities. If you go watch the beginning of Up, uh, dude. I I love that. I I, oh, I do. I, do I get, pretty much cry. It's close. It's close. I get. I, I admit. Yeah, that's the life that everyone would want to live. Basically, of like, it's just I don't know. Not going to well, go on in that. Pogo's I love tearing Pixar. up, guys.
1: Those of you on and, uh, podcast, good, he's getting a little
0: weepy. Good times up. Go watch the beginning of Up. It'll it'll. Uh, the the beginning of
2: Up is one of the, of the most feels. beautiful things ever. <laughs> totally.
0: So, uh, quick section here. Uh, Coach was right. Uh, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, we've had him on the program. He has his steel spine. I, I think my favorite line I saw is like I would rather burn down the Senate than allow this to happen, which is like the just the sweetest line I've heard from a senator in a long time. Uh, Josh, what's going on with Tom? Your Tuberville terms are acceptable. Military? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with Tuberville and uh, military abortions?
2: Yeah, I mean this just to, to remind people about this: the Biden administration in the in, in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, basically went totally rogue with the law and, uh, and announced that military members could get free subsidized travel to other states in case they are, let's say they're in Texas and, Oh, I'm sorry. We don't let you abort babies, you know, that have a heartbeat. So then the military then would fly these people to another state, whether it's like New Mexico or Illinois or whatever, so that they could abort their child. And, you know, it, They made a big hubbub about this, the Biden administration, both President Biden and also the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Both men are Catholic, by the way. And they said, this is necessary for recruitment. How are we going to get women to join our military if they can't kill their children? Which, I mean, just imagine people who fought in World War II, like, wait a minute, why are women even fighting in wars? Um, And then, like, you need them to, to be able to join So that then they can kill their kids, Uh, you know, it's just it's amazing to me, uh, gross dereliction of duty uh, for us men that we allow uh, the killing of babies anyway. Obviously, that's the biggest tragedy. So uh, Tuberville has been awesome. He's saying, no, actually, I'm not going to allow the United States Senate to confirm um, um, people to the Department of Defense. Because most, of, it's not just like the Secretary of Defense that has to get appointed by the Senate. It's every leader of every branch of the military, a lot of different, uh, you know, minor offices as well, promotions, promotions all this kind yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So someone goes from being, you know, uh, you know, uh, getting promoted to being a general. Like, I has got to get that's got to go through the Senate, and then mostly it's just kind of a pro forma thing. Okay, okay yeah, it looks good. The you know the committee looks it over and you know signs off on it, but because. Tuberville's on the Senate Armed Forces, uh, Armed Services Committee. He can place a hold on this and he's been doing it. uh, And he said, listen, if you want to make this a healthcare benefit, if you want to make this a benefit to to military service members that they can fly anywhere they want to so they can kill their babies, you have to pass it through the law because right now it's not legal for you to do this. And so he's been holding this through. Well, as you can imagine he's been doing this for a couple months now and, and a lot of these promotions a lot of these appointments are, are that are, are kind of like on they're frozen because he's he's holding true and as you say he's got a good spine. And you know the military industrial complex is getting kind of grumpy about this cuz they don't really care. I mean, you know like they're they're trying to kill people all across the world with their military war machine so like a few babies here in the United States like come on. And it turns out that the this this that it was so necessary so many people are going to want this. And it turned out a study found it was only 12. I mean, 12 babies murdered is still too many. But it wasn't like this vast you know, demand by so many members of the military to, to get this so-called benefit. And so the question is, like, why are you still pushing this? And here's the, 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 the most galling part of this. They're like, Tuberville's the problem. If you just let us go along with doing something totally rogue and illegal, then everything would be just fine. Joe Biden... And Lloyd Austin have the ability in one minute to end all of this garbage, but they won't do it because they're committed to the abortion agenda.
0: I mean, it's so ludicrous. They're blaming him for military readiness because obviously this hasn't even been going on that long. And let's look at how the US military has been marketed to people for the past, I don't know, three, four years. Uh, <laughs> Force them to be subjected to a Correct. vaccine. Uh, all the advertisements are like gay, queer, uh, anime commercials. Um, they have st- like DEI departments in every part of the military, they have drag queen shows going now on. Wait a on minute, Tom.
2: Wait, did you remember this? No, on, bi- on military bases. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear about this though? What? Have you seen some of the new, new ads? Josh? You're talking about the ads that yes, came out last year. Yes. new ads.
0: Yes. I'm very concerned by it because they're young, straight and white males in they these mean, military Right. Meaning we're probably going to war and I yeah. might be a part of it, which sucks.
2: I'm like, right, this is scaring like the- me now. The military is like, oh, enough of this uh, diversity and you know, e- equity now. inclusion stuff. Mm-hmm. We actually need warm bodies. Yeah, yeah it's pretty scary. Yeah. I no, mean we laugh about it, but it's scary. They need, no, they need the military
0: aged males that are strong and effective and that would actually be good in the military is, is the subtext. Okay, uh, Twilight Zone, Erica.
1: All right, I'm going to go with a happy story for Twilight Zone. Let's pull ourselves out of the dumpster fire for a minute. Tammy Peterson, Jordan Peterson's wife, has announced that she has begun the process of entering the Catholic Church. Uh, She is an RCIA, and she will enter the Church all you know by God's holy will at the Easter Vigil this coming year. And I love conversion stories. My husband's a convert. I'm a convert. My parents, and uh, it's just this was a really good story, and and this was a great story too because you know, coming off of the synod and all of that, it's kind of dark church news this week. But this was this was one of those moments where you're like, okay, what is actually driving, you know, holiness in the church? What is attracting people to the church? And it's not just the fact that she's a celebrity, but I love this story. She was she was raised Protestant, kind of fell away, you know, search for truth, spiritual, not religious kind of person. And those of you who have read Jordan Peterson or listened to him talk, he's he's very kind of Joseph Campbell uh, you know, all the myths pointing up the mountain of truth and all that. But she said in her, this interview with the Catholic Register, which I'll link, she said she has memories of her 104-year-old Polish Catholic great-grandmother praying the rosary, and she didn't know what it was. Someone, like, gave her a rosary when she was sick with cancer, and she didn't know how to, what, what it was or how to use it, but she remembered her grandmother. And that, that link there just opens the door to this whole story of Discovering the Catholic Church, she had a dear friend named Queenie Yu, who I think is of Chinese origin, who kind of prayed the Rosary with her through this horrible battle with cancer. A doctor said she's going to die. You know, multiple scares, but uh, you you sat with her and prayed the Rosary with her, and now she's entering the Catholic Church. And I just I think that's such a great example of again, like we were saying before, when there's darkness out there in the church, it can become very discouraging kind Of want to circle the wagons and close up on yourself, but this woman is actually joining the church, she's going to receive the sacraments because of a tiny little Polish grandmother praying the rosary and a friend who prayed the rosary with her. So it's a great story. Let's hope Jordan's not too far behind because how cool would that be? Jordan Peterson enters the Catholic Church. I'll stick, I'll, I'll go with his wife for now, but um, prayers for Tammy and Jordan. And he is uh, on
0: record saying the Catholic Church is as sane as you can get. Direct quote
1: that's right, that's um, right.
0: And if I may to to wrap this on a podcasting bow, uh, there's there a lot of talk at at the Senate about women, women becoming priests, women becoming deacons, women's involvement was a big like self pat in the back, like we're involving women now. Uh, how great are these you know faithful Catholic immigrant grandmothers that basically saved their future posterity soul just by being an amazing holy woman, mm-hmm. prayerful, serving their family, a great. Resource and person to look up to for families. Like the idea that women don't have a pride of place in the Catholic Church is unbelievable to me. They are quite literally the heart of the church in a lot of places. Like they help, they literally pray people into conversion. They take care of people when they're down. Like everyone probably has an example. It's not like Catholics make a big
2: deal about Mary either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? We're accused of worshiping the goddess Mary. Like women are pretty big. I had a guy on a train once, I was coming back from DC. I was on the train. This young guy sat next to me. He noticed I, I had a miraculous medal on. He's like, oh, are you Catholic? I was like, yeah. He's like, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He's like, does it bother you? You can't be a priest. And I just looked at him. I'm like, I don't need to be a priest. I'm raising the next generation of priests. <laughs> like, I, I, feel, I feel pretty empowered as a woman if, if you want to use the lingo. But I don't, I don't need to be a priest, y'all. I'm anti-clericalism. Yeah. You know, Let me be a woman. <laughs> Oh
2: <laughs> wow! All right,
0: Josh, you're up.
2: Well, speaking of women in the church, Our Lady, the University of Notre Dame, man, Father John Jenkins. He's uh, he's wrapping up his time at he's wrapping up his time at uh, the most prominent Catholic university in the United States. Uh, by defending, by defending a drag queen, a drag show that's slated to appear on the campus this week. Now you're thinking to yourself, "Um, what on earth? How on earth is this happening at a Catholic university? And why, on God's green earth, is this man defending it?" But you see, the same thing is all goes back to this. At night, the late 1960s when all these left-wing college uh, administrators got together and uh, wrote the Land Lakes Statement, which, by the way, has Cardinal McCarrick's signature on it. I like to get that dig out every time I come. talk Ooh. Talk to
0: uh, Benedictine's president about that, the yeah. Land O'Lakes.
2: Uh, yeah, that was a great conversation you had with him yeah, about that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah So going to drop that
1: interview in here.
2: The late 60s, all these liberal uh university presidents from catholic colleges got together and they and they wanted to embrace their hearts were already in it they wanted to embrace the secular agenda and and they wanted to try to they were cuz they're embarrassed frankly about this idea that they're catholic i mean catholics were the ones who started universities and yet catholic university pre- professors and university uh, presidents were embarrassed by the, uh by the religion because we were so in you know and we still are in a country that is Thinks that religion is somehow against learning. When we were the ones who set up these institutions of higher learning, yeah. So anyway, it all the the the, the way to unlock all of this was academic freedom. So that was the that was the ruse and upon which they had to say, well, we need to be free to act to debate everything and not just like be Catholic, Catholic, Catholic from head to toe. And so we need the freedom, the academic freedom to debate everything and challenge everything and not, you know, to prove to Harvard and Yale and everyone else that we're not super truly Catholic. We're like, we're academics first, you know, Please we're smart. Please
1: like us. Yeah, pathetic.
2: Yeah, and uh, so Father Jenkins, he's, he wrote, we defend academic freedom even when the content of the presentation is objectionable to some or even many.
0: Yeah, it is objectionable because even the students there the students started a petition to get this out. It's got tons of signatures. Like, shout out to the Irish Rover, their newspaper there. I've talked to some people there. They do not want this to happen. Like, I don't.
2: So it makes me wonder, students? like, you know, dressing up in drag, this is where gay men mock women yeah. by, by pretending to be women and they, and they gyrate themselves sexually. And I just think to myself, if that's acceptable on Notre Dame's campus, is it also acceptable to do blackface? On Notre Dame's campus, academic. And freedom. if that's true, then maybe we can invite Justin Trudeau, the here. Prime Minister of Canada, Bingo. to come to Notre Dame.
0: <laughs> yes, dude. Yes, yes. I was hoping. To now, the that. message
2: here for Catholics of goodwill: stop giving money if you're an alumni of Notre Dame. Stop giving your money to Notre Dame. Give it to Benedictine. You know, College in Kansas. Give it to the University of Mary in North Dakota. Give it to Steubenville. Give it to Christendom, whatever. Do something else with your money. You know, give it to uh, your local Chesterton High School. Do not give it to these places like Notre Dame, Georgetown, Seton Hall. Give me a break. They're over. They're also h-
0: hilarious too. Notre Dame's endowment, I'm sure, is in the billions, right?
2: Oh my gosh. It's way like, up what there. is your thousand dollars really gonna do for them money? Anyway? Yeah,
0: right. Like nothing. Give it to a place that could actually use the money and maybe build an endowment to benefit students. Like a lot of these big universities' endowments they could pay for need tuition for people.
2: Right. We need to build new institutions. Like that's why, like Bent Key. Like don't go to Disney. Spend your money at Bent Key. You know, send your kids and your money and your grandkids to places like, you know, University of Mary. Don't go to N- Notre Dame.
1: Hundred yeah. the, percent.
2: The Blessed Virgin Mary would prefer you to do that. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, my twilight zone. So I was going to do a clip of uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom. Absolutely trucking a Chinese kid uh, playing basketball. It's one of the funniest videos I've seen in recent memory. And then spanked him after he picked (laughs) him up. I mean, just what a wild, that's just like an ad lib. Like Gavin Newsom was in China playing basketball, trucks, Chinese kid, like just such a bizarre. That was why I was on enough. But I was like, that's a little self explanatory. There's buried the lead there. But so I was listening to an interview uh, yesterday. Uh, Two of my favorite podcasters. Tucker Carlson and Theo Von uh, were together. It was on Theo Vaughn's podcast. He's he's a comedian, hilarious. I I really enjoy my him. him live, but the fact that he has people on like Bobby Kennedy, uh, Tucker Carlson, like he just has pretty much everyone on wide swaths of life. He had a garbage man on the other day who just worked garbage in New York City. Like he's oh, just kind of awesome. one of those guys. It was amazing. That episode was so funny. <laughs> but anyway, Tucker was uh, of course you know electric. I mean, he just has one of those personalities, but. They were talking about uh, architecture again. And this is kind of one of uh, Tucker's signature things, he's talking about beauty. Um, he's definitely had his own Christian journey. I know he grew up evangelical. I think he's even a little embarrassed about Episcopalian. that. Fact. Episcopalian. Oh, yeah. Episcopalian. Worse. Yeah. And he's kind of made jokes no, about
2: it. but Very different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyway, he was talking about how important beauty is and how even uh, pre World War II, if you go to small towns in America, and look at their town hall or look at their, uh, ju- uh, what do you call it, where judges are. I'm blanking County on County seats, their yeah. Courthouses, courthouses, court their
2: courthouses, their libraries. Yeah. yeah. Courthouses, libraries. City halls, they're all
0: beautiful. They are, I'm, I was shocked. I went and Googled some, just Google small towns, like go th- go on a map, dot, pick one. They're like shockingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. The architecture is amazing. And uh, even like he was bringing up in, uh, with Great Britain, when they, colonia- when they were colonial in uh, India, the train stations that they built for the Indian people who, by our today's standards, they believed that they were lesser than British people, that they were not equal. Uh, they still built them these unbelievable, beautiful train stations.
1: Right, it's paneling and, and beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's
0: like, just go Google some of the stuff. I was shocked to even look myself. I didn't even really think about this. And so he then was like, okay, now go after World War II. Look at all government buildings built after that, even your local DMV. You'll see brutalist architecture. You'll see drop ceilings, uh, fluorescent lights, and like, there's no reason, there's no like economic reason per se to choose a drop ceiling and fluorescent lights. Like, you could spend the same amount of money and not do that. It's so bizarre that this is the choice. And his point is always, it's a it's a message you're sending to people that you're not worthy of beauty. Mm. It's it's actually a human dignity thing, which I think is a like really profound thing to think about. Uh, because the DMV is signaling to you that we don't care about you. We're in charge of you. You can go along like this is like, you know, an animal processing thing. You, you can get your little card if you're nice to me. Um, and he's, yeah. he, of course, Tucker's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> it's like hurting. It's <laughs> like me my cow. license. That's I shouldn't terrible. even need a license. But then I was just thinking about that concept and just applying it to broader society. And I was thinking like categories since the 1950s of things, if you were to say we're more beautiful then or more beautiful now. I was thinking like how people dress, probably the 50s, what music was like, 50s, how people spoke, conducted themselves, vocabulary, 50s, jobs and businesses, 50s, churches was the big one. If it's you look not at just
2: airplanes because of- everyone would get dressed up in airplanes, it, it, yeah. it went, you know, the 60s and 70s, like, oh, it's because it costs so much money. They're all rich people. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not true. Everyone dressed that way. Like, if you look at the baseball stadiums, like the old real highlight reels. Like Mickey Man, all these guys, you look at the stands, and the guys are wearing hats, and they look, they look yeah. great, yeah, it was like people on awesome. Sunday don't even look that nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. So like even if you go into a Catholic church now, like if you go to a Catholic church that was built in the '60s and '70s, first off, it looks like a spaceship and there's green carpet. The people dressed in there are super casual. Like if you were to go to something built in the '50s, yeah. you're looking at like a beautiful church with people in it dressed very well. So uh cities, if you look at our cities now, too, anything that's been built post that time. All the most beautiful parts of cities, like Milwaukee, comes to mind of like German architecture, gorgeous. Yeah, the old green, clean, the old town, green. clean cities. Like if you go see footage, like there wasn't trash everywhere. People were out walking. Um, diets too. Like think about what people eat as compared to then. Um, how people like physically have kind of let themselves go in a lot of ways. Like you don't really see fat people from the fifties because. Although I do have to way. say,
1: the fifties cuisine. Did leave something to be desired. My grandmother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would switch it. I would switch it. The jello with the Whoa. prawns in it. I mean, I can do with that. The yes. jello mold.
2: I 100% agree with you, Erica, but like the architecture is so much Architecture
1: more on so. it. Okay. How you dress. But, totally in agreement. Well, what
2: comes to mind in all of these categories, I guess my
0: broader point is like society and all of those areas have become vulgar. Yeah. But vulgar is the word that comes to mind when I think of drop ceilings and fluorescent lights or how and people crass. dress, how people act. What you see in entertainment, it's vulgar, mm-hmm. and what has been—it's
2: an all-out attack on dignity and beauty.
0: But here's the thing: God is beauty. What's been attacked since the '50s? We've removed God from mm-hmm. almost all parts Amen, of society, brother, the public preach. square. I yeah. was like, I was just thinking, like, because sure. to see beauty, it's transcend-
2: its transcendental, and God is beauty. Two things come to mind. Number one, there is a—you a, know—in terms of conspiracy theories, there's actually a really good one. About this, that the CIA funded modern art as a way to try to go against the communists. So I, I, there's a good article on that. I'll pop for you guys in the show Heck notes. Yeah, oh, um, I like that. You know, because the idea is like, how do you go against communism? They thought something the the total anarchy of modern art would would they thought would be like the silver bullet against communism. And so they funded a lot more of like
1: this join stuff the enemy during the Jeepers. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I so I read think this. it was disastrous, of one. course. Yeah. Uh, But then also, when it comes to modern architecture, yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up at, you know, uh, St. George's, you know, Long Lake, Minnesota, and total brutalist church built, I don't know, 1962 or something like that. And, uh, you know, and it was all spread out and concrete everywhere. And, you know, the congregation is here and here, and and you basically look at yourself. (laughs) In
1: the round, yeah. And
2: and, and the center of attention is the priest, you know. And I just think to myself, like I remember growing up in that, and I lost my faith. And I'm, of course, you know, not really that much of a shock. And I, and then when I finally came back into the church, I thought I was robbed. My generation was robbed. Was such an immense, gorgeous, beautiful tradition that it is for Catholics, and it was completely rejected, shoved in a closet, put it up as you know, aside. And you're like you start looking at archite- architecture now, Catholic architecture from these cathedrals that were built over you know centuries, you know in some cases still standing. And I just think to myself, we were robbed. And it's like, well, that's a cathedral in a very big city, and a very you don't need to be a big city. Like a lot, like you said, these the small towns, the, these courthouses, yeah, these city halls. There are generations of immigrants who slaved themselves sacrificially. Them build very small, beautiful churches in their small towns. And it's only in the suburbs where we're like, oh, we don't need this. Who cares? Concrete Jesus a this. spaceship. <laughs> I need to justify me being cheap. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. I was going to
1: say uh, here in New England, we have the history in the 1800s of like the Italian immigrants coming in, the French, the French Canadians coming down from Canada, and these. These impoverished mill workers, like you said, Josh, they would pour their resources into building these beautiful churches, which sadly now many of them are shuttered. But those that survived- Because
2: it was a gift to God, to their children and grandchildren, to their neighbors. And it was
1: saying to their kids, your faith is worth us giving up so much to give you this beautiful space to worship God. And and I think that point about telling government workers and people who are encountering the government at the DMV, you're not worth it. You're less than human. Here's some fluorescent lights and drop ceilings. It is. It's, it's saying, it's giving a message to people that you're a slave of the state. You don't belong no. to yourself. Now,
2: you belong to in us. In secular society, in the, in the market, who, what was the last institution that, that held on for a while on, on the good architecture? Was it banks? Banks, yeah. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Why? Because <laughs> they had to convince people, your mo- you can give us your money and in 20 years, it'll still be here. So we're not going to have a strip mall kind of like, you know, shoebox, like, hey, welcome to, you know, this schlocky, you know, savings <laughs> alone, you know, like what? What is this? I've never heard of this. They're done now. They're done now. They're the all way. in the I strip I mean, you mall. look at
0: banks, they're all in strip malls. They're all online. Um, yeah, I think they're the, the thing I keep just thinking about here is how much we've been, whether it's malicious or unintentionally removed from our tradition. And our tradition is beautiful. Like the American tradition, the Catholic tradition. And I actually do see people kind of almost maybe out of desperation of just like, I'm so disgusted with modern society in so many ways. And so they're just returning back to tradition. And tradition and beauty, I think, go in hand in hand. Not everything was beautiful in the past, but I think m- right. much, much more was beautiful than there is now. I think obviously beautiful. Um, and so I see like examples of like People think about food and nutrition, they're like, let's go more natural back with that. To the like, land. What did we yeah. do before? Right. Like, why are right. we eating all this processed garbage? Uh, churches, like, look at that church they built in Christendom. Mm-hmm. Like, people are getting back beautiful. to building beautiful churches, which is like really exciting to me. I think that like maybe people are finally getting to the point, like, we're just fed up with what we do. I been like to
2: fed here. In this discussion, Tom, I like to bring up Pittsburgh. Interesting. Interesting. Pittsburgh's a fairly Catholic town, actually. Steelers and uh, ha- Pittsburgh had a lot of money uh, at the beginning of the 20th century. You had people like you know Carnegie with the steel and all that stuff, and it was a huge. I mean, steel was big. I mean, that's... and Pittsburgh had was very wealthy, and all the beautiful buildings that they built, you know, were gorgeous. And then, as the steel industry starts to kind of collapse in the 60s and 70s or whatever, and Pittsburgh becomes kind of right, for a while, and not much is changing in Pittsburgh, and they don't have money to recovate their town and build all this horrible architecture, right? And then by the time the 90s come around, Pittsburgh is finally, their economy is diversified enough where they're starting to kind of, you know, dust themselves off and pick themselves up, you know? And by this time, people are like, these buildings are kind of retro. These kind of buildings are kind of cool. And so they kind of kept them, and they didn't completely destroy them. And so it... I. I, I always love visiting Pittsburgh because of that, because it's like it a really cool building. Oh, cool. I mean, not that they're immune from everything else, but I thought a little bit more so than other towns that it looked pretty nice. Oh, so, destination. Shout yeah. Check it out. But
0: shout, shout out Pittsburgh for real. And, I, and final point, too, on like just the disrespect, I think, for human dignity. What could be because you said you build churches for God, obviously, but then also for your children as a gift and from the government's perspective nothing signifies to me more that we really don't care about you or the future than being in as big a deficit as we are now spending on a deficit and being like we're going to kick the can down the road kick the can down the road and we've just gotten so used to that now no wonder we can't build beautiful government buildings we're 300 trillion dollars in debt like we just don't care enough about the future to be responsible with our money yeah it's <laughs> yeah so anyway shout out to shout out to Tucker legend shout out to Theo Von legend but uh, I see a lot of good coming here. I see a lot of good coming down the pipe. That will do it for this additional Loopcast. Um, I don't have my reviews on me, so Josh, you won't have to suffer through them. But thank you all for those of you that review. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Star us five stars, leave us a personalized review. Uh, Spotify, you can review us there as well. Check us out on YouTube. You can subscribe, like that there. Uh, and if you want to talk to me, loopcast at catholicvote.org. I've had some really good conversations with some of you. Um, I actually really appreciate the different perspectives definitely don't agree on everything, but I feel like I've even learned a lot. I just talked to someone about medical studies and how to decipher them. It's kind of crazy stuff going on there. So if you want to talk, you can hit me there, loopcast at loopcastatcatholicvote.org. We're so, so grateful for you all. If you want to support us, Champions Club uh, is the way to do it. It is in the description uh, if you want to help us out there. Other than that, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Fidelis, St. Thomas More, pray for us, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys.